right. Welcome to BME Culture Happy Hour, a production of the Georgia Tech BME Learning Commons What's the Buzz podcast series. This is our roundtable podcast about what we are learning, doing, and creating. And I'm Joe Ledoux. I'm the Associate Chair for Student Learning and Experience in BME at Georgia Tech. And I'm Candace Chung. And in today's show, we will consider the fact that BME courses are hard. So we'll pick the brains of two very successful students about how they approach learning in BME. And this week, instead of asking what's making us happy, we're going to ask, what is it that we just can't let go of this week? So let's get started. Let's go around the table. Say your name and what you do here in BME. All right. My name is Christopher Schenk. Um, I'm a second year BME and... That's good. That's about it. <laughs> uh, my name is Akram Kaja. I'm a third year BME, um, and both of us are part of the BMED Student Advisory Board. So what is the most important aspect of good studying? All right. So I'd like to take the chance to talk a little bit about uh, deliberate practice, and I want to be sure to give credit where it's due. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> a lot of this comes um, from originally from uh, Erickson's research. He was a psychologist at FSU, but I heard about it through uh, Dr. Ledoux's 2210 course. So um, I was interested, so I did a little reading. So I, and I think we should point out that I did not pay you off to say this, right? <laughs> no, but it's... I, I didn't even know I didn't even know you were going to be talking about this, so I'm pretty psyched. <laughs> but it's very valuable, so I'm definitely going to take some time to uh, talk a little bit about deliberate practice. So first, when it comes to learning and studying, I think it's really important to make some realistic objectives, um, both for the long term and the short term. So really think about having semester and year-long goals in mind, but also keeping a lot of smaller intermediate goals to help keep you on track so that you know... Uh, where you are in terms of those long-term goals. So can you give me an example of like a short-term goal and a long-term goal? Okay, a long-term goal might be I want to get an A in a class or maybe better, I want to master conservation principles. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now he is trying to make me feel good. But and then a, a short term goal, maybe something like I'm going to study for two hours tomorrow afternoon. Um, I think it's really important. One of the key aspects of that deliberate practice is uh, kind of repetition and scheduling. So deliberate practice has to be you got to do it early and often. So when you're studying, um, it has to really become a habit, um, you know, so schedule time to study. And that doesn't mean uh, to get your homework done, but that really means to uh, engage with the material and um, kind of test your ability. So on that note, it's really important when you study or whenever you're practicing a course material to practice at the threshold of your ability. And I think this is something a lot of people miss out on. So if, uh, I'm going to draw some analogies to sports and music because I think it's really applicable. Um, this is something Erickson did in his research on expertise, but uh, I think it's I think it's really ma- makes it a lot more clear. So if you're an athlete uh, and you are training to run a marathon, then taking a light jog around the block doesn't get you that much closer to that goal. Or if you're a violinist and you are learning Vivaldi's Spring, then uh, playing Twinkle Twinkle, you know, really isn't isn't helping you too much. But I think this is a place where a lot of people um, kind of make a mistake and and don't uh, kind of spend their time the most efficiently. So it's really important when you're working on problems to do problems that challenge you 
Um, so if you struggle with the problems, that doesn't mean that you don't know the material. It means you're right where you right where you need to be. So I think that's a, a lot of what I wanted to touch on with that. Awesome. Yeah, actually, when uh, you were talking about scheduling time, it brought me back. Well, nightmares, basically. Uh, when I was uh, <laughs> when I was an undergraduate at Cornell University, um, I happened to be the Navy ROTC, and I did okay the first semester, but this guy, I still remember his name, Commander Quigley, was my advisor, and he made me to keep track of how I spent all my time during an entire week. And then when I met with him the next week, he basically made it bleed red with all the places I was wasting time. <laughs> and essentially his message was, you really need to take big chunks of time and schedule it in so that you can actually spend really quality time on the study. And... I did that and made a huge difference. So I, I was kind of surprised. I find out that a lot of people don't do that. So it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I think um, in particular, for instance, if you use Google Calendar or something like that, some sort of uh, calendar mechanism to keep track of all the things you have to do, the meetings you have to go to. And if you also include time for studying in your schedule, it helps a lot keeping track of um, where your time is actually going and making sure you're staying on top of everything. And that can include homework time that you need you know, if I need to do two hours for a couple 2210 problems or as well, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, if you need um, things apart from just the homework, like extra problems and that stuff, you can incorporate that as well. And just uh, being able to visually see where your time's going really helps to know um, how much time you're putting into the course and whether maybe it's enough for you or if you need to add more time. And also another note is that um, large chunks of time also help you stay focused on the uh, on the same material uh, better, I find, than splitting it, splitting it up into lots of short sections. So for instance, if you had um, a couple 30-minute breaks in the day that you plan to study for a class for, it might not be as efficient as studying for two hours at a time and just allotting that whole two hours for that one class. Because when you have the whole two-hour segment, you gain the momentum and you can focus on the one topic uh, more in depth. And oftentimes that helps you learn better. Oh, so now that you have like scheduled your time and you have that block of time to study, uh, how do you best, like, what's the best study strategy that you have, like, for you personally? Now, I think that's really something that depends on the individual. So um, something that I think is really important to keep in mind is that uh, you are an individual. So what works for you really isn't uh, going to work for everybody else. So I could sit here for the next 10 hours and outline a million different strategies that, you know, that may work for you and they may not. And what works for me really isn't uh, necessarily what's going to work for you. So I think what's really important to keep in mind um, is just to be, you know, really take charge of your learning and be experimental. So, uh, you know, take the time to kind of explore what works best for you. Um, do you like working problems from the book? Uh, do old practice exams help you? Do you work better alone or in groups? These are really important questions that you need to approach deliberately and not just kind of accidentally come by. Really liked it when you said take charge of your own learning because I like to give open-ended feedback questions that are anonymous. And sometimes some of the things that students say to me gives me the sense that they think I'm supposed to learn for them. Like, am I supposed to learn them, you know? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, you know, I could give a lecture that just makes everything look real simple and straightforward and make everybody feel good. But bottom line is they still have to go out there and learn that stuff. And they might, I actually think a lecture could actually, you know, fool people into thinking they understand things. So 
I really like that attitude. I mean, basically, in the end of the day, each person has to do the learning on their own. They have to make the changes in their brain. And I also noticed two hours for two 2210 problems? I got to make these things harder, man. It's too easy. Well, towards the end of the semester, you know, they become, <laughs> become a little more involved. So. Um, two other things I just thought of, then we get on to the next questions. You had mentioned um, that it's personal. You know, these things are personal for each person. Uh, I actually think, too, though, that it's depends on the class, actually, right? So mm-hmm, sometimes, um, and unfortunately, it depends on how they assess it, right? So I would like people's goals to be learn to learn things deeply, regardless of what the grade is. But the fact is, you guys got to get jobs, get into grad school, <laughs> med school. So you do need to get grades. And sometimes, unfortunately, the way classes are set up, it's actually not to your advantage to get. If you want to be a deep learner, you might actually be making it harder on yourself to get a good grade, which is unfortunate. But um, so at that point, you kind of have to be strategic. But um, the other thing that sort of, I don't know what you guys think about this. Some Commander Quigley told me that I should find one place to study and then study there for the rest of the semester. So that basically, <laughs> basically I knew all the graffiti, all the little gum wads, and none of the stuff would distract me, right? Lickworth, this was before the days of iPod and cell phones. Um, on the other hand, my oldest son, who graduated from tech last year, told me that he had read somewhere, and he, he preferred this, this to study in different places. So do you have any opinions one way or the other? Uh, well, me personally, I like to study in different locations. I like to switch it up. But also I've noticed that depending on which class I'm studying for, I'll study in a different location. So, for instance, um, last semester when I was taking uh, 2210, just to keep bringing that back, um, I would study in a particular location in the third floor of the library because for that particular class, I to stay completely focused, I don't like to study with that much noise around me. So I'd have to go to the quiet floors of the library. And then there were a couple stalls that I like to use, but sometimes they're filled up. So you got to move to the one next to it. But either way, it's in that same location. However, when I was studying for other classes like uh, 3600, for instance, then in that environment, I would like to be with um, studying with other people and more discussing the material openly with them. And so it didn't matter too much if there was a lot of noise around me or whatnot. So the uh, the call worked well for me or the second floor library where you're allowed to talk in other locations like that. And I really do think it depends on the course and on your own study styles as well. So that's really interesting. Um, so actually, for that scenario, you did study pretty much in the same location, but it was class specific. Yes, exactly. You guys ever use the learning commons on the fourth floor at all? I do for uh, especially for like VME team meetings uh, or like sometimes studying for classes. There's definitely always space here. So that's been really helpful because, I mean, the coke fills up. So it, it's definitely nice to know that you have a place to go always. I think one thing interesting that you uh, talked about is that like you, you were studying before the time of uh, like cell phones and iPads. <laughs> and I think it's important uh, to bring that up uh, and address that because um, there is really a big difference between um, the concept of, of deep work and more like shallow work. And learning a new task is uh, an example of deep work. It's something that you have to really commit your full attention to, and you have to commit that attention in uh, kind of blocked out periods of time. So it's not a bad idea that when you really want to learn something, and not just pattern match, (laughs) um, if you want to learn something, you know, it's not a bad idea to, uh, you know, put your phone away in your bag or uh, tell yourself that you're not going to check Facebook for the next 
30 minutes. And there are a lot of cool um, apps available to help you do that. So I know there's, I just saw one and I'm sorry, the name of it's escaping me right now, but it's, uh, you, you have, you build a forest. So you set a timer for yourself on your phone that I, um, for like 30 minutes or something. And then a tree grows for 30 minutes. And if you do anything else on your phone, the tree dies <laughs> and it's very sad. So to keep your forest alive, you gotta, you know, put your phone away. There is something so weird about an app to protect you from apps. <laughs> so, um, I think, I think during my sophomore year, so maybe two or three years ago, it could have been freshman year. Uh, but I think it was, uh, WHO, they created a website for your phone and it was specific for mobile, uh, mobile devices like your phone or your iPad, where if you touched your phone, then it would stop like donating money. So for every minute wow. that you did not use your phone, that you did not touch your phone, it would donate like a cent or once you reached a minute, then it was a dollar. And so that was really popular when, when it was going on. We could use one of these in like 2210, you know, because <laughs> I just think even me, even though I'm an old guy, like we all are sort of used to just grabbing for our phone and, and checking it out. So it's just almost almost without thinking about it. So it's, you got to almost be proactive, but putting it away so you can't get to it. I did have a teacher in high school who had a bucket. And so you have to put your phone. <laughs> in. <Wow. laughs> That's a good way to make some extra cash. <laughs> So, I mean, you get your phone parts. back after, but <laughs> <laughs> you had to put oh, your okay. phone in the bucket during class. Uh, <laughs> All right. uh, so a lot of students experience test anxiety. What is the best way to address that? Um, a lot of this comes down to being prepared. So if you, you know, if you're really deliberate about your learning and your studying habits, then, um, you know, your confidence in the material will definitely help alleviate some of that test anxiety. Um, so definitely coming back, just coming back to that practice early and often, you know, if you know you have an exam coming up, uh, schedule time in the week or two weeks, however long you need uh, coming up to that exam and just make it like a regular habit to do that. Uh, little bits of time, I guess, rather than, okay, uh, small blocks of time rather than necessarily the long haul eight hours straight before the exam. I think that really pays off and you'll find yourself being a lot more confident um, because you're actually learning the material then rather than uh, when, you know, when it comes down to the eight hours before the exam, your, your memory, it just doesn't work like that. So you're really missing out on, um, you know, on learning there. You might pack a finite amount of knowledge into your short-term memory and it may, be, it may get you through, it may not, um, but you definitely don't benefit as, as much from that. So that's well, really important. It's kind of like the sports analogy again, the marathon running thing. I mean, I don't know if you guys are runners, but... I am. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, actually, where you actually gain the fitness, a big, a really important part is the rest, actually. So you want to put in a lot of miles, but you need to have some rest time. So same thing with learning. You got, it can't, it can't happen overnight. So you got to work on it for a little bit and then take some time off, do something relaxing or study a different class and then come mm -hmm. back to it. So if you're trying to cram, probably not going to work too well. The other thing that's important is just taking care of your physical health and your mental health. So, uh, you know, don't make it, don't get so engrossed in studying that you forget to eat. Uh, <laughs> it, it, sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but I think people really do that. Uh, I know I, you know, I catch myself sometimes. Uh, in situations like that. So it's important to just make sure you're fueling your body right. Um, you know, your brain is part of your body, so your mind is part of your body. Get some sleep. <laughs> it's important <laughs> to get sleep. So try the night before the exam. Um, 
get get a good night's sleep. And it sounds impossible sometimes, but there's a huge body of research showing that that is really important for for exams. And I think another point to note is that um, after you've you know gone through and actually learned the material deeply, it's sometimes important to practice in the conditions that you would be in the exam. So for instance, if you had um, you know, an exam that's only an hour and a half for three problems or four problems, then make sure you try to do that in that same time period using the same resources you would be allowed on the exam. This uh, just helps with building that confidence once again and making sure that you're solving these problems quickly enough for the exam conditions. Because during the exam, there's going to be some small amount of anxiety regardless. So minimizing any other external factors like how much time is taking you to solve these problems is always a good idea. Totally. It sounds like, like you're getting ready for the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like you got to run the practices and then it's game time when you take the test. So. Right. It's like before you run a, your actual marathon, That's you want right. to practice with you know, a couple practice marathons. Absolutely. Um, do you guys have any, um, when you're talking about test anxiety, because actually, I mean, I think for some people, unfortunately, even if they are super well prepared, there are, there are some people who it's actually a different thing, um, which is a much harder problem to solve. But um, I think maybe another strategy that could help um, are things that you do either right before the test or during the test. Do you have any, anything like that? Or should I just say what I, what I do? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any routines you do before a test or a strategy, you know, test taking strategies? It's not about learning anymore. It's like, it's game time. What do I got to do to survive this? Yeah, I definitely think, um, there are kind of rituals you go through. So I know for me personally, I put away my notes an hour before the exam and I don't look at it because I know I'm not going to learn anything um, in that hour that I have. Um, it's, it's much better for me to just relax, um, you know, and just remember that I, you know, that I put in the time, put in the work and I know what I know at that point. <laughs> so really at that point, looking at my notes more is just going to stress me out. I might find something I hadn't, uh, you know, that I had struggled with, but I'm not going to learn that. And, and it, you know, acquire that skill in the little time I have left. So that's something I do. And I know during the test, um, for me, it helps me to just uh, take my eyes off the exam. So look up at the ceiling, uh, <laughs> not side to side. <laughs> but um, and take a few deep breaths. And there, um, you know, I think that's it kind of it take a deep breath and looking away. Uh, it helps you kind of gather your thoughts. And, and then you can feel a little refreshed and can jump right back into it. Yeah, and I think before you actually go into the exam, it sometimes helps to give yourself some positive self-talk. So basically just telling yourself like, yeah, I've got this. I know what, I've do what I'm doing. I've put in the time and effort, so I know that I'll be fine during this exam. And just knowing that in the end, it's really just an exam. Like if you've learned the material, you'll be able to show that. And if not, it's not really a huge deal. It's not going to matter for the rest of your life that much, despite what you might think. <laughs> but um, also then during the exam, just remember to keep cool. Just um, if, th if there's something that you might are not that comfortable with, you know, you can skip it and come back to it later. Don't get too stressed and bothered down by one problem and just try to move on past that and then oftentimes later you'll see something else that might jog your memory or uh, enable you, you to solve that problem that you previously were having trouble on so sometimes it's just better to move on and not stress about it too much in that moment i wish this was a live show because uh we have 190 22 10 students they're taking an exam in about an hour so it'd be good for them to hear all this yeah even just talking about like having exams makes me nervous about my <laughs> midterm tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow morning oh boy. is it 35 20 yes it is oh me 20. too oh. <laughs> that'll be I'm fun scared oh boy first midterm of the semester 
Dun, dun, dun. That legendary biotrans. Oh, no, that's 3520. Yeah. yeah. Modeling. Modeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Transport's on Monday. Ah, okay. <laughs> there goes that weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that had been percolating in my mind, you guys touched on a lot of it already, but um, maybe super basic. But again, I, from having graded lots of tests, I know for a fact that not everybody does this. You really should look at how many questions there are and, and maybe based on the points they're worth divvy up the time you've got and not spend too much time on one question. It's just basic strategies at that point. Mm-hmm. It's not about learning. It's just about maximizing the grade, you know, based upon how you prepared for it, but it's still worthwhile doing. Cause if you, you leave 20 point question blank, then there's nothing a grader can do. So, yeah. right. I mean, if students need extra assistance for the class, do you have any advice for them? What kind of facilities or programs that are available? Yeah, there's actually a lot of things that a lot of resources that students have available to them to help with all sorts of different classes. So there is um, the one on one tutoring offered by the Center for Academic Success, which is a free appointment based one on one tutoring process. And they have all sorts of general classes from all your chems that you'll be taking physics, math, MSc, statics, et cetera, et cetera. And they even have some BMED classes like they have 2210, 3310 and 3520 classes that some people usually consider a little more difficult. That's why they have all people consider more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, on top of that, there's help desk hours for many classes that um, for chem, physics, CS, etc., as well as uh, plus sessions that they have. Plus is the peer led undergraduate study sessions. And usually those are just group sessions for um, most of your intro classes, but they also have some for BMED 3310 in particular. Those those plus sessions while many people think of them for students that are struggling in class, that's actually not true. In fact, many students that go to these plus sessions and go to tutoring are actually students that are doing very well in the class already. They're A, B students that just want a little extra assistance or a little extra practice or just want to see, uh, interact with the material a little more and get somebody else's perspective on it. So there's really no, there shouldn't be any negative stigma about going and using these opportunities. I'm going to jump in because plus is based upon a thing called supplemental instruction. And the whole concept is that you want students of all levels working together. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely true. Speaking from personal experience, plus for biotransport 3310 has been a real lifesaver. So (laughs) really, you should go take advantage of the resources that are available for you. Um, You know, students and administrators and faculty really, you know, they're they're putting in a lot of time and effort into making all this happen. So I think it's, it's definitely worth it to, you know, take advantage of all that you can. Yeah. Shout out to the Learning Commons team because this came out of two years worth of work to figure out what kind of support we needed. Um, and of course, BMED SAB. You should know about both of these groups because they're <laughs> the leaders of the BME department, student leaders. And it's through them that I've become aware of some of y'all's needs and I'm probably missing others that I need to hear about. So make sure you know who your BMED SAB people are and your Learning Commons people. <laughs> There's another program called Focus. Anybody use that yet? Yeah, I've actually used it. because Right now I'm taking 3400 and Focus is uh, really helpful as well. It's just in the learning commons right here on the fourth floor of Whitaker. And it's really just a drop-in thing. You can stop by whenever you want help with anything. Um, and there's just a bunch of groups of students with uh, one facilitator who uh, has taken the class that you need help in and is there to help you with any questions you have, projects that you're working on. So they have it for 3400, 3520, and 2210 right now. But I think they're going to be expanding that in the future, hopefully. Um, and I've used it for actually like most of these classes. So I find it extremely helpful and would highly recommend going to these focus sessions. Yeah. And for those hard charges out there, if you're interested in being a focus leader or a plus leader, just let me know. Anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you want to mention? 
Um, the last uh, resource that I would say is super important is to go to office hours for each specific class. Uh, office hours are really a great way to get to know your teachers and then also just find out more about the material you're learning and engage more deeply with it. Oftentimes they can give you extra problems that maybe aren't in the notes or aren't in the lectures or anything like that or other topics that they find important, which really helps you understand the material, find out what's important and probably do better on the exams as well. So office hours are extremely important to go to. Totally agree. I've been frustrated for years about not enough students go. And usually they're the best students, quite frankly. Um, you shouldn't be afraid to go to office hours and feeling like you're going, that you don't want to show the professor that you don't know something. That's what we're holding them for. That's what we expect. Well, okay. So how do you get over that anxiety of like seeing a professor about something that you don't know? Uh, so one thing to know is that professors are people just like you and me. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> There's really nothing scary about them. They want to help you succeed. That's why they're here. That's why they're teaching. So in the end, if you have any problems, it's really, you don't really need to worry about looking like an idiot. They've been there. They've had to struggle through the same material just like you are right now. So they understand that the material we're learning as BMEs is not easy. We have lots of things we're doing. We're learning a lot of material. So they understand. And honestly, they're, most of the professors that I found are very personable, very easy to talk to. And they really do want to help you out in any way that they possibly can. So on that note, Relationships, developing strong relationships with faculty is incredibly important. Not only will it help you, um, you know, improve your, you know, improve how you're doing in classes and get help for that course material, but it's a, uh, it's really important. You get to learn kind of about career paths. Um, you can uh, maybe get in, get involved through research. It's a great opportunity to just interact with faculty and and really just take advantage of that resource. They're making themselves available for you, so. Just go do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, what I recommend is if you go to office hours, at least have something to show that, uh, look, I tried this and I got stuck here, as opposed to I just don't understand anything. It's really helpful to at least <laughs> to at least show that you've thought about it and just hit you know a brick wall. And um, yeah, I agree. The personal relationship is super key. I mean, first of all, if you get to know a professor really well, at some point, you're probably going to need a letter of recommendation. So, and it's actually one of the easiest letters I have to write is when I get to say, well, this student came into the early semester and was really struggling, but boy, did they work hard. They came to all my office hours and they turned it around. It's one of the, it's a great letter to write. All right. Anything else we want to say before we go to the next exciting and final segment of this uh, podcast? I think one last thing. So, um, (laughs) kind of just, I think it's a good, uh, kind of closing topic to talk about mindset. Um, so you know, learning is hard, college is hard, and BME is hard. So uh, Dr. Ledoux talks a lot about scholarly grit. And I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think he makes some really important points. And it's, uh, I think it's nice to have it. I think a lot of times people understand these concepts or have some grasp of it. But it's, I think it's good to put some terms to it and kind of quantify it. So he defines scholarly grit as having a uh, kind of a mature concept of learning, and that's about having a growth mindset. So that, I think that's really just recognizing that you don't know everything right now. And, um, you know, but that through practice, you will know more. (laughs) That's right, it's not a permanent condition that you don't know much. (laughs) That's the key. (laughs) Yeah, and again, there's a huge body of research showing that, you know, that capability is, that capacity for performance isn't determined it's, it's not set. It's not fixed. Uh, it's really just dependent on how 
how much deliberate practice you put in. There's a direct relationship there. So, and that brings us to the second point, deliberate practice is a component of grit. So really, that's just a recognition that you just have to recognize that, uh, you know, to be successful, you're going to have to put in work and it's going to be hard, but that through that practice, uh, you're going to get better at whatever you're doing. And then finally, um, the last point is just being optimistic. So don't let yourself get bogged down by how hard uh, your coursework or whatever you're involved in may be. Uh, it's really important to just dig down deep and know that you'll make it through the other side. And that even if they're um, kind of small setbacks, that a lot of times those, I mean, they're not life changing. So I think a lot of times that's, um, that I know personally has helped me kind of keep an optimistic outlook that, uh, you know, you just can't let the small stuff get you down. And you just have to keep uh, keep moving forward. And if you look at anyone who's uh, who people would consider successful in any field, one thing they all have in common is that they worked very hard to get to where they are. There's nothing intrinsic about um, you know being intelligent or being able to uh, have a lot of knowledge about a particular subject and doing it well. It's really just all about hard work, and that's all it comes down to. So just remember, it's all about the deliberate practice, the grit, and the optimism. And they made a lot of mistakes. So <laughs> just because you make a lot of mistakes doesn't mean you're not good at something. Um, that's how you know you're testing your ability at, you know, at its fullest limit. That's right. And sometimes when you look at lecture notes or homework solutions and they look pristine and all logically arranged, it can be intimidating. Like, wow, I would never have thought about it this way or put it down that way. But trust me, if you look at my waste paste paper basket, you'll see how many different mistakes I made before I finally got to that homework solution that everyone complains about because it's not clear. But it's the best <laughs> I can do. What can I do? Um, yeah, and the, you know, some people think, well, you're, you're either optimistic or you're not. You might think that, but actually it's about framing. Um, so just a quick example, um, another running story, but Kristen Armstrong talked about how she would see people in a race, you would see a hill in the distance and they would start slowing down. That's a framing problem because you're really supposed to be running at the same energy level, same effort. And so you shouldn't really be slowing down until you get to that hill. And so I think with respect to studying and stuff, I mean, what you want to do is say, wow, how lucky you are you're alive, first of all. You're at Georgia Tech, which is a pretty good situation. Um, there's always another day, that kind of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of other people who don't have all the opportunities that you have. And as you guys have mentioned earlier, one test is not, you know, the a big deal at all. Um, and it's just a matter of learning from it. So, all right, now it's time for our new and curious segment, which is <laughs> what is it that we can't let go of this week? So we'll just go around the table and you guys can share and then I'll go last. All right. So again, my name's Chris and the thing I can't let go of this week is my, are my birthday plans for next week. Cause, uh, right. it's February 24th is my birthday. So I'm, uh, Still don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'll have to figure it out between now and then. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Akram, and the thing I can't let go of this week is the Escape the Room that's here at the Student Center at Georgia Tech right now for the month of February. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about it, but there is an Escape the Room thing here, and my friends and I are planning to go sometime next week, so we're like planning those details out right now. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Wait, I thought this was a negative thing that you can't let go. No, things that you can't let go could be something you're really excited about. Oh, <laughs> you need more time to think? Well, if it has to be positive, then yes. It could be negative or positive. Okay, negative. Well, I'm Candace. I'm one of the hosts, and I have not been home for dinner for an entire week. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to senior year, guys. <laughs> what kind of food are you dreaming about that you can't let go? Uh, anything that is not microwaved or pizza. How's the food here at the uh, facilities? Do you guys eat at the dining halls and stuff? Last year's, <laughs> but not right now. <laughs> 
All right, we'll leave that where it is. Uh, <laughs> all right, the thing that I can't let go of is the fact that we just had the BME Needs and Satisfaction Survey. And I still can't let go of the fact that 900 students did not take that thing, despite all my, I think, rather clever emails. But I'm sure you got sick of them. But on the other hand, 425 students did take it, which is pretty awesome. It almost doubles what we had last year. And kind of a good news out of that was that in terms of overall satisfaction, um, over 80% of biomedical engineers at least were slightly satisfied. So that's good. <laughs> we can do better, but it's not horrible. <laughs> so thank you all for taking that uh, survey. I do appreciate it. I know I annoyed you. All right. That's it uh, for this show. And eventually, I want to be able to say without lying that you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and Tumblr. It will happen one day. Uh, meanwhile, I have started a new website called Dr. Ledoux's Whiteboard, since we're so into whiteboards here in BME. <laughs> and the way you get there is you get the BME undergraduate webpage, look to the right side under current undergraduates, and click where it says Dr. Ledoux's Whiteboard. Visit site. <laughs> I do wish that you would do that because I'm lonely over there. Uh, there is a forum, which actually you click on share, and that is a place where you can drop in your experiences with work experiences or studying or whatever, or you can drop a question to me or, or anybody else. And that actually, if it works, eventually, I could use that for topics for podcasts. Um, speaking of podcasts, apparently many of you don't listen to podcasts, so I'm talking to nobody right now. But if we can eventually get you here, uh, essentially what you do is you go to your phone and find your iPod um, app. What is it called? Podcast app. Podcast app, right. Or I use Overcast, uh, but I think most people use podcasts. And then you can actually search for What's the Buzz, and it's the one with a little Georgia Tech B-like symbol. And you subscribe to it, and then you will always know when we have a new podcast. You can also find it on my Dr. LeDoux's whiteboard page. So thanks, all of you, for being here today. Thank, Thank you. you. And thanks to all of you who are listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.